passengers, and welcome to the Midnight Train, where we bring the dark to light and where listener discretion is always advised. If you're new here, welcome. It's good to see you. How, how are you? How, how's, has anyone told you lately that you're important? And we're just glad you're here. You're going to make me tear up. Right, right. I mean, sometimes you got to say that. Sometimes you need it. You're beautiful. And we love you. Yeah. Okay. Not just because you're listening to us, but, you know. No, but that helps. That does help a lot. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and for the rest of you who have been here for a while, listen, you guys know we make fun of and joke about creepy stuff while bringing you as much information on each topic as possible. Yes, we are a comedy podcast and things can get pretty dark. So listen, if you're not into that, we get it. You're a big pansy. <laughs> it's fine. <sighs> Go off with your coloring books and your unicorn leotard and leave us alone. I like coloring books. I don't have a unicorn leotard, though. I'm just kidding, obviously, and everyone knows that. I, I would hope. I would hope. But seriously, if, you don't, if you're not into it, it's not a big deal. Whatever. I'm your host, Jonathan Sayer, <laughs> and with me, of course, is my co-host and my son, Logan Sayer. Hi. Yay. So I think I do have to make, it, uh, like, amends. Mm-hmm. Not amends. I have to, yeah, amend. I have to amend the beginning part of this, where it's like we talk about creepy stuff. We also talk about super nerdy stuff as well. Yeah, especially lately. Yeah, that's not exactly just. Creepy? Yeah, but it's just, it's we talk about weird and unsolved or unusual stuff. Obscurity. That's what I got to change it to. Yeah. Right? We are an obscure podcast. We are <laughs> an obscure podcast. We were a couple of obscure people. <laughs> so listen, our Patreon bonus for this week is going to be really cool. And to be honest, I don't even, I don't know if I want to tell you guys. Ooh. Last week, of course, we did another episode of F That Guy and Fuck talked about a really, really, really horrible human being. And there, I said horrible again. I told you guys I was going to try and figure out another word for horrible. Horrible? Huh? You're going to figure out another word? Yes. I, I say horrible too much, I feel. Eh, yeah. It's not horrible. That so you then I started it. saying deplorable. 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 I think that's a good one. That's a good one. It kind of yeah. sounds similar to horrible. Right. You need to go completely off kilter. Poopy. That's a good one. Yeah, that's a really that's good a real one. Good one. Anyway, for Patreon, get on over there. Sign up at the midnighttrainpodcast.com or over at uh, patreon.com forward slash accidental dads. And uh, yeah, because Logan and I are both a couple of accidental dads. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so get on over there. Support the show. Uh, by the way, and you Patreon poopers, and uh, you guys are amazing. And thank you for all your support. We, uh, yeah, we donated uh, to... Um, to save the music. Fuck yeah. yeah. So that's going to be an ongoing thing. So remember, um, a percentage, 20% of everything you guys do, we will be sending over to them. So whether it's Hell merchandise yeah. or it's our on Patreon, or if you're like, you know what? I'm just going to send these guys a little bit of money to show their appreciation of all the hard work because it is a lot of freaking work. <laughs> anyway, so let's save the rest of the business stuff until the end. All right. And let's get into this. Oh, Let's turn down the lights. Mm. Um, we but, would, but it's just going to get louder. I'll explain <laughs> later. Um, adjust our seats, grab a drink, and let's get creepy. But first, here's a toast to all you beautiful motherfuckers. I do have to have a little bit of a disclaimer here in the beginning. Mm. This episode, promise, stay until the end. Oh, okay. All right. Just you should be staying to the end anyway, but stay until the end because this yeah. is going to be a, a what kind Ooh, of thing? I yeah, like what? Yeah, like severe. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, it's going to be absolutely amazing. And of course, we are heading back into true crime, and this is a 
far lesser known incidences. Incidies. Incidences. Yep, I like that. Incomprehensible. Right, well, that's better than or horrible. Incomprehensible. Incomprehensible. Right? No, yeah. that doesn't sound. No. I'll figure it out. That is the meaning. Right. I gotta. I gotta come up with a cool word. Bellens. <laughs> huh? A couple of bellens. A bunch of. There are a bunch of bellens. <laughs> Twats. All right. So of course we are heading back into true crime, which I feel like we haven't done a true crime episode in quite a while. Right? What was the last one we did? True crime. That wasn't the the. That might have been the set of guy murders. Yeah. Yeah. It might have been. That was like a while ago. That's, it's been a minute. <laughs> so listen, we've all heard the story of Jack the Ripper, right? Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, hell, we actually did a two part episode on that case not not too long ago. To be honest with you, you yeah, guys can yeah. go back and listen to that. You know the story, though. Some crazy person running around hacking up people, disemboweling them, and nobody knows who it is. What? Or was, let me oh. say. You know, that old chestnut. <laughs> so there were other cases similar to Jack the Ripper, okay? Like the uh, Velisca Axe murders. Mm. We, we talked about them. Yep. Uh, did an episode on that. Yep. Uh, the Hinter Kaifek murders. Oh, yes. We've discussed those as well. And quite a few more that we've covered right here on the Midnight Train. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. Well, this story is right in line with those unsolved atrocities. Ooh. Uh, and perhaps a little more connected. Oh. Um, it happened before Jack the Ripper, of course, decided to go all willy-nilly and mutilate a bunch of poor women. Okay. In fact, it happened only three years before the Jack the Ripper. Oh. Just follow me, folks. This one's going to be a weird one, and your brains might hurt a little bit after this. But then again, that's probably what happens from listening to me yabber on every week anyway. Yeah, my brain hurts right. Sometimes two times a week because you're a Patreon, and you're beautiful for that. <laughs> and a little bit of a masochist. Anyway. Right. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> so the Servant Girl Annihilator. Oh. I know. That name alone. That's a fucking name. Yeah. Also known as the Austin Axe Murderer and... The Midnight Assassin, which of course is my favorite for obvious reasons, <laughs> was a uh, was a still as of yet unidentified serial killer who preyed upon obviously the city of Austin, Texas, okay, right here in the United States, between 1884 and 1885. Hmm. The murderer's nickname originated with the writer O. Henry. Oh. Okay, apparently O. Henry had mentioned the murderer in actually you know coined the name or whatever in a letter he had written to somebody else. Interesting. He was basically saying like. My city's fucked up right now, and there's this servant girl annihilator going around killing people. I don't know where he came up with that. He's a writer. That's a freaking word, man. It's, po- it's just so poignant. Uh, and like poignant is a really you good know word what I mean? Too. It is. Th- thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I've been. Uh, I got this toilet paper that gives me a new ro- uh, word every day. <laughs> no, I don't have that. You get a lot of words a day, huh? I've been looking for a new word for horrible, and I just came across that one. I'm kidding. <laughs> so the brutal killings in Austin occurred three years before Jack the Ripper terrorized London's East End, and there are some be- who believe... <coughs> um, shall I? I shall. That the Servant Girl Annihilator and Jack the Ripper were the same person. And we're going to touch on that later. Oh, That's why you guys get to stick around. Okay, okay, Yeah, I I actually, it blew my mind. In fact, last night I was like texting Logan last night. I was like, oh my God! (laughs) (laughs) Literally, that's what it sounded like. I, I I did more research on this and that whole thing mm-hmm. than I've done in a long time on something. <laughs> like, 
I was down here like scratching my head, like you know that uh, that picture of um, uh, Charlie from Always Sunny, yes, where he's like got the lines up there and he's got a cigarette in his hand, and he's scratching. That was yep. me down here last night. I, I was like, what the fuck? I see your board with all the all the strings. And yes, stuff. yes, except it's a virtual board. Yes, yes, I don't have any string. <laughs> Too poor to buy string. <laughs> so now, although these murders happened seventy five years before the term serial killer was coined, Ooh. it still sealed Austin's reputation as the first city in America to have a serial killer hmm. and uh, the piece of crap responsible to be known as the very first serial killer in the country. Interesting. I know. Austin, you guys are known for something pretty sweet. Is that why no one ever wants or to not? Austin? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I do like Austin a lot. Yeah. It's amazing. They have this, um, oh, what's it called? It's some sort of a walk thing. I think that's where it is. The, the, the walkabout? I don't know. No, it's like, so it's under um, under the city where like this like, little river runs and stuff. Really? Is it the river walk? <laughs> yeah, <that> would, <laughs> I think that's what it is. <laughs> would make a lot of sense, actually. <laughs> I have a good buddy of mine who lives in Austin. Sorry, Austinites. Does he listen to the show? Uh, he does, actually. Well, then say hi. Hi, Austin. Is his name Austin? Yeah. <laughs> his name's Austin and he, <laughs> he lives, lives in Austin. Austin and he plays Rocket League with me. He's awesome. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that. Austin, change your fucking name. (laughs) Or just move. Yeah, or move. Either way. (laughs) Anyway, it's a beautiful, beautiful town. I love it down there. Um, Or city, should I say. Yes. But it's not exactly, you know, um, you know, it's not something that somebody sane really wants to be the first and known as. As like, hey, yeah, we had the very first serial murderer here. (laughs) You know, and we're the very first city that, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, I don't know. But me, I'm kind of into it. Put that on their welcome sign. Welcome to Austin. We're home of the serial killers. Yeah. The very first serial murder happened right here. All you hear is, everyone turning around and leaving. (laughs) Population, no one. Except us crazy bastards, right? Yeah. We'll all move to Austin's support. Kind of down for that. I mean... (laughs) You already have a friend there. so yeah, 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 just bunk with them. Austin, let's just go by your middle name. Anyway. <laughs> so now, let's talk about Austin, Texas a little bit here and a smidge of its history. Okay? As per Wikipedia, because you know everything they say there is legitimate. Yes, 100% true. Right. Evidence of habitation of the Balcones Escarpment <laughs> region of Texas can be traced to at least 11,000 years ago. Oh. Two of the oldest Paleolithic archaeological sites in Texas, the Levi Rock Shelter and Smith Rock Shelter, are located southwest and southeast of present-day Austin, respectively. Wow. Pretty cool. That's pretty dope. Right? Okay. Several hundred years before the arrival of European settlers, the area was inhabited by a variety of nomadic Native American tribes. But, of course, they were. Mm -hmm. These indigenous peoples fished and hunted along the creeks, including present-day Barton Springs, which proved to be a reliable campsite. At the time of the first permanent settlement of the area, the Tonkawa tribe was the most common with the Comanches and I think it's Lipan, but that doesn't sound right for a Native American name. L-I-P-A-N. Lipan? Lipan. 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 Lippin. <laughs> Lippin. <laughs> anyway, they're Apaches. Okay. The Lippin Apaches or Lipin Apaches. And I really apologize, please. <laughs> yeah. Also, they frequented the area too. Nice. The first European European settlers in the present day Austin were a group of Spanish friars Ooh. who arrived from East Texas on July of 1730. They established three temporary missions. La Parisma Concepcion. Oh. San Francisco de los Neches. Oh. And San Jose de los Nozines. Oh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not that drunk yet. Anyway. <laughs> on a, on, they did all these. They set these all up here, these missionary uh, missions on uh, a site by the Colorado River near Barton Springs. Mm-hmm. 
The friars found conditions undesirable and left <laughs> and relocated to San, uh, the San Antonio River within a year of their arrival. So they got there. They were like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to set up these beautiful missions. This one, the La Piarisma Concepcion over there. Bill, <laughs> you set up San Francisco de las Neches. Juan, <laughs> San Jose de las Nozines. And then a year later, they're like, we got to go. <laughs> this sucks. Can't fry shit here. Yeah. I mean, it, it's got to be rough. Yeah. So following Mexico's independence from Spain, Anglo-American settlers began to populate Texas and reached present-day central Texas by the 1830s. 1830s. Oh. The first documented permanent settlement in the area dates to 1837. Remember that date. Okay. When the village of Waterloo was founded near the confluence of the Colorado River and Shoal Creek. Is that where the Battle of Waterloo took place? Waterloo. Yeah, but I don't know the words, but it's ABBA. ABBA does Waterloo. Oh. oh. I don't believe that would be where the Battle of Waterloo is, because that would be Napoleon, and that would be over in Europe someplace. <laughs> Are you sure? Uh, no, I'm not. <laughs> I think I am, but I'm not sure of anything. And you guys should know this by now. I pretty much pull shit out of my ass. That was good. Yeah. Believe me. I, I'm, I'm a Did you believe me? Yeah. I think it's true. I, I, think, I think you're so. right, yeah. I, but I could be wrong. Yeah, who knows? So, all right, you guys got all that. Good. And maybe you guys can explain it to me later. I'm kidding. <laughs> kind of. All right. So, first and foremost, we're going to talk about the victims. Because, of course, every time we do any kind of true crime thing, it's always about the victims. Yes. And, you know, just first of all, how it just sucks that, you know, somebody lost their life in unfortunate ways. Mm -hmm. So, we're going to run through these. And then we've got, we've got quite a bit to go through here. Ooh. So, hopefully, you guys got your drinks. Yep. All right. And here we go. <laughs> The first unfortunate victim was Molly Smith, a 25-year-old uh, cook working for the Walter Hall residence in uh, on 6th Street, which was it was then named Pecan Street. Oh. Yes. Pecan Street. Okay. She was killed on December 30th, 1884. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, I want you guys to seriously think about what the time was then. If the permanent settlement, the first documented permanent settlement in the area was dated 1837, mm -hmm. This is less than 50 years after this. So we're still pretty, like... Wow, wow, wow. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, so just remember that as we're discussing all this. So it's not... This is 1884. It's not like, you know, the 1930s or something like that, or 50. You know, yeah. Anyway, I just want you to have that in your head. Okay. So anyway, she was killed on December 30th, 1884, in a grisly killing filled with an extreme amount of blood due to the axe wounds to her head abdomen, chest, legs, and arms. Oh, wow. Her body was found outside and placed in the snow next to the family outhouse, which I was going to make a joke saying it's pretty shitty, but I'm not because that would not be, that'd be tasteless and I'm not going to do that. That would be some shit taste. Yes, that would be horrible. But I think that, I think th that uh, the killer was, she was put there for a reason. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was like to, to say something. Right. She was attacked with an axe in her sleep. Okay. And this is a thing that happens quite often with these um, whole these murders. Um, dragged into the backyard, raped, and murdered. Wow. Yeah. Sucks. So Walter Spencer, who was also in the house, uh, was 30 years old and was uh, attacked and wounded, but he wasn't killed. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Now, again, she was in her sleep. Right. So the second victim here was uh, Eliza Shelley, a young woman who worked uh, as a cook for the family of Dr. Lucian Johnson. That name sounds so familiar. Uh, are you thinking like Mary Shelley? No. Eliza Shelley just sounds so familiar. 
Why am I drawing a blank? Because I just said the name. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Why does... I don't know. I don't know. Interesting. So, um, she was actually killed a few months after Molly. Okay. And she had, uh, what? Liza Minnelli. Never mind. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> that's that's, the name that's Liza Minnelli. I had to say that name like eight times in my head. Yeah, that's uh, Liza Minnelli. You know who Liza Minnelli is, right? Nope, it's not the name. <laughs> Do you not know who she is? Is she like a French singer? She's not a French singer, but she was an actress and singer back in the day. And um, here's a weird little thing for you. You know who her mom is? Uh, Mrs. Minnelli? No, it's actually, um, oh my God, I can't think of her name, but it's the, the girl that, or woman that played uh, Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. And why can't I think of her damn name? I don't right know now? what her name is. That's horrible. Is it like Anna something? No, everybody no. knows that out there. You guys know. Whatever. I don't need any Facebook or tweets. And duh. I get it because I'll just look it up after this. Anyway. <laughs> like so, the Four Horsemen. <laughs> like the Four Horsemen. Yes, Justin, thank you for that, by the way. I saw that. Yeah, that was awesome. Thank you. I like that when I ask a question, I get an answer. answer. I yeah. like that. So now, again, just like Molly here, she had been brutally murdered, uh, except this one on Cypress Street on May 7th, 1885, and her head left almost completely split from the blows of an axe. Wow. Unfortunately, she was the mother of three children. So because of the killer's apparent weapon of choice, this freaking axe, the murders were first known as the Austin Axe Murders until a well-known resident, who I mentioned earlier, a William Sidney Porter, you know, that writer guy with the pen name O. Henry, wrote in a letter to a friend, um, quote, Town is fearfully dull. <laughs> it sounds like a freaking a review on Zell or something. Um, town is fearfully dull, except for the frequent raids of the servant girl annihilators. He said it's servant girl annihilators. Oh, yeah. multiple. Who make things lively during the dead of night. That's... I know, that's pretty like a macabre way of putting that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Definitely a writer. Yeah. Yeah. After his letter became public, locals and reporters began referring to the murderer as the servant girl annihilator. But my question is, why do you say annihilators? He probably didn't know. I mean, there was multiple murders, so maybe... Maybe he thought it was multiple people. Yeah, maybe they weren't linked to each other. All using it. And who knows? Maybe there were multiple ones. Possibly. And we will talk about them. Okay. Okay. On May 23rd, 1885, a third hapless woman, also a young servant person, became the next victim. Her name was Irene Cross, and she lived on East Linden Street, just across from Schultz Garten. A uh, reporter on the scene after her uh, vicious attack stated that she looked as if she had been scalped. Oh, wow. Yeah. The victim was also killed with a knife, as opposed to the aforementioned axe. Hmm. So, was this the attack of the Annihilator, or a different lunatic running around? Mm -hmm. You know, I just thought it was kind of weird that they, you know, put this into... Um, the same category as the other ones when it wasn't used as a probably yeah. just the way she was murdered or whatever and that she was a servant and whatever so right, right. You know, two out of three ain't bad man you know as summer dwindled down August brought forth the arrival of a horrendous attack on Clara Dick later that month another servant named Rebecca Ramey was wounded and her 11 year old daughter Mary was killed wow. by someone who they believe is the annihilator here okay so, as far as I can find, I didn't see any information on Clara Dick mm-hmm. um, dying. Right. She was just attacked, I guess, but they blame this. Yeah, because wasn't the, the, for the first one, wasn't the, the, other, the dude that was in the house, wasn't he attacked? Did mm-hmm. he die from that or? No, he, he did not. I said, yeah, I said that earlier. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Catch up, Mustard. I, I, I'm right. still, like, stuck on the fact that he was attacked and we don't have any. Description? Yeah. Well, if it's at night and they're sleeping and he just walks in and just. Probably beat his ass first yeah. to get him out of the way and then drug her outside. 
You know, who knows? Yeah, who knows? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. It's not like they had lights really back then. You know what I mean? It was all freaking lanterns. Oh, shit, man. This was like 20 years ago. Just flip the switch on. <laughs> <laughs> like in here? <laughs> <laughs> I got to figure that out. Anyway. So at this time, the citizens of Austin were rightfully scared as shit. <laughs> as shit. As lots of shit. Because I'd be petrified. Yeah. And we're talking not a lot of people. Nope. You know what I mean? It's not the met- metropolis that it is now. Right. It's technically a metropolis. I'm not I mean, it's a big sure. city. It's a big city. There yeah. you go. Big city. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if someone's walking around doing this, you're probably scared, you know? Yeah. And they began protecting their homes with extra measures. But of course they did. Other cautions, uh, cautions such as increased patrols in neighborhoods, going home before sunset, so they had a curfew, and the 24-hour saloons closing at midnight. Mm-hmm. They used to have 24-hour saloons. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm kind of jealous. Yeah, you just wake up. It's like 4 o'clock in the morning. You're like, I'm going to go get a beer. It'd be amazing. Except for you. You probably work at a saloon. Yeah, that'd be my luck. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to close up early. Oh, son of a bitch. It's 3.30 in the morning. Aren't you going to be at the farm in two hours? <laughs> you don't need a beer, Ted. <laughs> So they put all these things into place, okay? Now, it's worth noting that, the, that despite the legend, Austin's, um, apparently there's, uh, they have these things called the moon towers there. Oh. Um, and to be honest, I, 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 was, I was looking around for it, but apparently there is, um, what do you call it? Um, they, there's a, uh, a, 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 Today, Junior. People believe there's a connection between the moon towers and um, these murders. Oh. Yeah. And so, basically, they're just saying that they were built after it happened, and it's not, it has nothing to do with it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so, it says uh, the Moonlight Towers. Okay. Um, I'm just going to look this up real quick, because that's what I uh, want to do. I don't want to leave you guys hanging here. And Austin, this is for you, baby. Um, let's see. They were uh, built in 1894, and uh, they're monolithic lamps. Um, let's see. Also referred to as Moon Towers, liberated citizens from the constraints of nighttime and heralded Austin as the coming great manufacturer of the South. There you go. Huh. Yeah, they're basically just, they look like scaffolds with a light on top. Did did, did they have guards? The guards? Yeah. What do you mean guards? Was there like somebody who guarded the Moon Tower? Oh, I don't know. Could you consider them to be a Moon Knight? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> boo, hiss. I need to get that in here. Boo, boo. You, you tried. You tried. I, I give you an A for effort. I'm still stuck okay. on Yeah. So anyway, the, yeah, these moon towers, uh, people used to believe that the, the legend was that they built them because they needed more light to, you know, because of the Annihilator. Right. But it has nothing to do with it. Oh, I mean, it might have been suggested at a committee meeting. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Maybe HOA some, was some like... freaking out. You know what we need? Fucking towers. With lights on them. Uh, Jim Bob, I don't, I don't think that's going to work. Who's going to climb up there and light them every night? I'll fucking do it. <laughs> Give me a damn bottle of Jack Daniels. <laughs> I'll light that fucker up. All right, sit down, Jim Bob. Sit down. <laughs> so the next victims were uh, 20-year-old Gracie Vance and her 25-year-old boyfriend, Orange Washington. And I don't know why I can't get over that name. I love that name. Orange Washington. Yes, Orange Washington. It sounds like a drink. It does actually sound like a real Yeah, you good. walk in and be like, um, can I get an orange Washington? You know what I mean? It does sound pretty good. Because they do make like Washington apples. Yeah. You know? So maybe it would be like a, a, a whiskey with a just a fucking orange in it. Like a whole orange? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I'd uh, if I'd enjoy that. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. Um I can't even drink this. <laughs> There's a big ass orange in here. But if you let it sit in the whiskey for so long enough. Saying. 
you know, let it soak in a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, there you go. Mm. Poke some holes in it, put Ooh. it in a big vat of whiskey, and then pop it out. You got any oranges? Oh, yeah. I'm down. Okay. I don't have any oranges. Damn, I don't either. I have apples. We don't eat fruit here. Fair enough. Yeah. I, I get all my nutrients from beer. Beer. Yeah, That's it makes right. sense. There's fruity beers. You can put some fruit in your beer. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Kidding, folks. Jeez, calm down. So anyway, they were sleeping in a shack behind the home of Vance's boss when the couple were brutally attacked with someone or by someone with a knife, an axe. Oh, you, you were close. You had a 50-50 chance there. Yep, blew it. Fucking blew it. According to uh, to the local paper, Vance, um, his ah, poor poor Vance here, Gracie, quote, um, her head was almost beaten into jelly. Oh, yeah. Gracie was also dragged into the backyard, raped, and murdered. So this is like a this is like the MO wow. of, of said annihilator. So Lucinda Body and Patsy uh, Gibson, both only 17 year old, uh, 17 years old, were also attacked, but they were just wounded. Interesting. Okay. And they still believe that this is the annihilator doing this. Mm-hmm. So uh, a weird note here, um, up to this point, uh, all of the victims were African American. Oh shit. Yeah. But they were not all servant girls, okay? And many noted that white residents had not been attacked, at least not yet. Interesting. So when you sit there and you're thinking to yourself, is it possible that this could be racially motivated? Yeah, really. At this point in time, probably, but you've also got to think this is 1885 yeah. in Austin, Texas. Yeah. Maybe not the most, Um, how do I put this? Racially non-biased. It's a very good way of putting that. Okay, is that good? That's, I'm pretty impressed. <laughs> Sweating bullets on that motherfucker. <laughs> Say the wrong damn thing and lose about a half our listeners. <laughs> Which would suck because we'd only have two of you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Actually, thank you guys all for listening. Our ratings are doing great and it's awesome. So, the final two murders occurred on Christmas Eve or possibly December 28th. I, I found um, two different... Um, Uh, Two different uh, bits of information. One said it was Christmas Eve for both. Another one said it might have been on December 28th. Either way, uh, first, 41-year-old Sue Hancock, the mother of two children, Mm. described as, quote, one of the most refined ladies in Austin. She's pretty badass. Yeah. Yeah, she's just walking around like her shit don't stink. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, she was found in her backyard, which is now the Four Seasons Austin, which is kind of crazy. So it's a hotel there. Interesting. Four seasons. This is this is now now it's a hotel, but back then this is where it happened. Huh. Uh, she was found there by her husband. She had been dragged there while sleeping, again, and succumbed to her wounds. Now hours later, seventeen year old seventeen uh, year old Eula Phillips quote one of the prettiest women in Austin. Wow. Which is weird. They put this in the paper like that. It's so so weird. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Um. Was found dead in her in-laws' backyard, where the Austin Central Library is actually now located. Huh? Yeah. You got to remember, this is like a small. This is like the beginning of the town. Yeah. It's only been there for fifty years, and they're expanding into whatever. She was also dragged into the backyard, raped, and murdered. Her twenty-four-year-old husband, Jimmy Phillips Jr., sustained severe wounds in the attack. Ultimately, both spouses of Sue Hancock and Eula Phillips, they were let go. Okay, they were not found guilty, but um. They were initially accused. Yeah, it makes sense. But they were found innocent. Okay. Okay. So after the Christmas Eve murders in 1885, the killings just stopped. That was it. There was no more. Hmm. But of course, the fear was still there in everybody. So many, like, girls, women, young ladies being murdered. 
Right. You know, notice none of the guys died though. Yeah. Doesn't that seem weird? Yeah. It's like somebody has a propensity uh, uh, towards um, uh, women. Yeah. You know, and that, that's anger. And think about the murders. These yeah. murders are, they, this is anger. This There's is somebody a lot of angry. Yeah. Like somebody that just can't get it up or has been jilted. Yeah. Or mommy didn't love them or loved them too much. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know? I mean, like, seriously, like yeah. that, that's what it sounds like to me. I, I listen to a lot of true crime shit. Sorry. Anyway, <laughs> and that's my synopsis. Anyway, so it's just it's it's crazy to me that all of a sudden it, it just stopped. Okay, so at the end of the murders, Austin had been changing uh, from a small frontier town to a huge city, right? Mm-hmm. But the reputation it acquired because of the crimes really stopped people from moving there. I bet. Like it, it was basically like, hey, everything's booming, and <laughs> you know what I mean, like a record scratch. So now, those were the unfortunate victims, okay? Sucks. So now let's talk about the suspects. Okay. This is where shit starts getting fucking crazy. Mm. I mean crazy. Cray-cray? Like crazy. Okay. So although approximately 400 men were eventually rounded up by the authorities and questioned in the killings, all the suspects were released and the murders still remain unsolved, right? 400. 400. In this 1885 frontier city probably town like was 800 people yeah right it was probably every man in town is what they did crazy so uh, okay there are a few names from the history books that stand out as possible murder suspects okay orange washington no oh it's such a good name it's such a good name i'm telling you it's, i just love that damn name <laughs> it's so cool what's your what's your name man orange orange washington like why don't we use that as a name on the tops that would be citron washington Oh, well, that's, oh, that's good. Pretty good. A little sexy, you know? Yeah, but why don't we... Wait, isn't it pamplemousse in French? No, that's grapefruit. Never mind. <laughs> My name is Grapefruit Jean Washington. Well, pamplemousse. No. Orange in Spanish is aranjo, right? No, that's... Arnejo. 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 I don't know what it He's is. He's not that drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I swear I'm not. I just... I, I really get excited when I do the show. Anyway... <laughs> So let's first of all talk about Nathan Elgin. Nathan Elgin. Nathan Elgin. He was a native of Austin and a young African-American domestic servant who knew the streets of Austin. Okay. Okay. So now the majority of this next part, and it's fucking amazing. I actually, it's taken from the website, uh, uh, servantgirlmurders.com. Oh. So there's an actual website dedicated to this whole thing. I mean, it makes sense. Still unsolved. And... So this is coming from them, and I want to give them all the shout out in the world because it's actually they have a, their website's really cool. Okay. So if you guys get a chance, servantgirlmurders.com. So late one night in February 1886, and this is freaking amazing, a saloon in Mason Town in East Austin was the scene of a violent and disturbing incident. The surrounding neighborhood was in uproar because a drunken, raging man had dragged a girl from the saloon to a nearby house where he could be heard beating and cursing her while she screamed for help. The entire neighborhood uh, came out into the streets and the commotion caught the attention of a nearby police officer. Okay. Police officer John Bracken arrived on the scene and the saloon keeper, Dick Rogers. Yeah, his name's Dick Rogers. It's pretty amazing. (laughs) Sorry. I believe Dick Rogers and Orange Washington have their own TV show called like Dick and Orange. Dick and Orange. (laughs) Because Oh, boy. (laughs) That's American Pie for you. Right. And uh, and a neighbor, um, Clabe. I think that's his name, Clabe. That's cool. C L A I B E, Clabe. Yeah, Clabe. Clabe Hawkins. That's a. Oh, dude, that's. My name's Clabe Hawkins. <sighs> what are you, uh, what are you fellas doing over here? 
That's what it sounds that's like. Exactly that's exactly what it sounds that's like. That's his name, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, they went with Bracken, okay, the police officer here, to stop the man from beating the girl to death, obviously. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, Rogers and Hawkins went into the house and pulled the man away from the girl into the front yard. So, remember, he took her into the house, and he was, like, smacking her around, and God only knows what. So, they went in. They were like, come here, you son of a bitch. As Rogers and Hawkins grappled with the man, Officer Bracken got out the handcuffs. The man would not be subdued. He was fighting him off. He threw off Rogers and Hawkins and knocked Bracken off his feet. This dude was no joke. Wow. The man turned on them and pulled out a knife. Oh, as Bracken tried to recover, you know, because he got knocked down, mm-hmm. and he not knocked out. He got, you know, knocked off his feet. Mm-hmm. He uh, he actually pulled out his gun and bang, drew the pistol, fired. The shot took down this raging lunatic with a knife. Okay, mm-hmm. this man's name was Nelson. 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 <laughs> this is Mike Tyson. I'm just gonna tell the story like this from now on. His name was Nathan Elgin. Okay. Now, this is the person I was talking about. This is the suspect. Now, there was no explanation for Elgin's rage at the girl named Julia. Nobody knew what she did. She's like, I don't even know. Like, the dude just flipped his fucking proverbial shit. Mm. So, Bracken's shot did not kill Elgin instantly. Okay. Okay. But it did leave him paralyzed and mortally wounded, and he died the following day. Okay. Okay. Now, a subsequent autopsy revealed that Bracken's bullet, you know, Officer Bracken here, had actually lodged in Elgin's spine, Oof. which is probably why he was paralyzed. Mm-hmm. The doctors had also noticed another detail. Elgin was missing a toe from his right foot. Hmm. Weird. That is kind of weird. That's odd that we're even talking about that. Yeah, well, we're talking about a guy's missing toe. Isn't it? Yeah. Let's go on. Okay. <laughs> During the investigations of the crimes, the authorities had carefully noted the footprints, which were often blood-stained and had made distinct impressions in the soil of the perpetrator carried, you know, uh, as the perpetrator, you know, the murderer or whatever, mm-hmm. carried the weight of the victim. So we're talking about the annihilator now. Mm-hmm. As the annihilator was doing all this stuff, they noticed his feet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Apart from general measurements of size and shape, footprints in most instance, instances are not especially distinctive. And they would not have been much use to the authorities had they not possessed uh, some unusual feature. Mm. Any any thoughts? Uh, probably had some corn or something like that. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. He, had, he had a bunion. A bunion? He had yeah. a bunion on it. Mm. Oh, my pinky toe. Nope. The uh, footprints left behind at the servant girl murders, um, or the annihilator murders, uh, again, they shared one distinct thing, and that was that one of the footprints had only four toes. Weird. Yeah. How do you pick up toes from a shoe print? Um, I don't believe he was wearing shoes, is ah, what I'm saying. That would yeah. make more sense. I am. So basically, every time there was a murder, mm-hmm. they go out there and they see a set of prints. Mm-hmm. One of them's got one, nine, 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 nine toes. Maybe he was just holding it up while he was walking. Nine times. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Maybe he was. It could have been. So the authorities never shared this fact with the press or the general public during the course of 1885, during this time. Yeah. The press frequently complained about the secrecy surrounding the murder inquest and argued that making all the details of the crimes public would facilitate the capture of the responsible parties more quickly. And in their heads, they're thinking, well, if we tell everybody everything about it, and you know how it is, and you yeah. know, if you let everything go, then you know, a lot of people make shit up. Right. But if you have information that only the murderer would know, yeah. then it's easier to identify the murderer. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's how that works. Okay. 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 Got that, folks? Yeah. All right. Clay Hawkins. It's <laughs> a badass name. Clay Hawkins, detective. Austin, 1885. 
there I was climbing up that damn moon tower. <laughs> uh, bottle of Jack in my left hand. <laughs> bottle of Jack in one hand, a lighter in the other. And God damn it, I had fun. <laughs> so anyway, they they wanted it. Uh, they wanted all the information. Plus, you know, news sources they always want all the information because then they can go and they can post it up, and they want people to read their papers and so on and so forth. You know what I mean? Walk around the so town looking for people with nine toes. Right. It's fucking media. It's, it, media's been the same ever since. At mm-hmm. least back in the day, they actually put real news out there. So the authorities disagreed and kept certain details of the case to themselves. Details that they hoped, again, would eventually identify the perpetrator and link him to the murders. Mm. Now, after Nathan Elgin's death, the authorities unexpectedly had the direct physical evidence they had been waiting for. Right. A foot that matched the distinctive footprints of the killer, right? Yeah. But the foot belonged to a fucking dead guy. So what do you do? Cut it off? They didn't have DNA. Yeah, true. There was really nothing else they could connect it with, right? What could they do with it? Cut it off? No, no, no. They could still use his foot. What do you mean cut it off? Cut it off inside. Like, what do they do with the information? <laughs> oh, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is that motherfucker right here. <laughs> Clay Balkan, I'll cut that fucking foot off. So to imagine the state of mind of the authorities at the time, all right, is uh, to understand you know, everyone was fucking freaking out over right. this. Okay, this was a very, very big deal, which is crazy to me that I have never heard of this up yeah. until just recently. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit. And you guys will understand when I'm, why I'm, my, my mind is bottled right now. Oh, bottled? No, bottled. Oh, bottled. It's mind bottling. Yeah. It's where all my, you know, all the information gets in my head all bottled up like it wants to pop. Mm. Mind bottling. From a fucking movie. <laughs> anyway. What movie? Uh, 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 it's the one. With the guy with the face? Will Ferrell. Okay. And the dude that plays. What's the guy that says these are my tater tots guys? The guy, what's that guy's name? Oh, Napoleon Dynamite? Yeah. It's him and they're skaters. Oh, Blades of Glory. Blades of Glory. Yeah. yeah. yeah I don't remember him. He says that in that. Yeah. Oh, he does say that. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> That's a movie I've seen. It's amazing. That movie's so funny. Oh, I saw it once. So drink up, you bastards. Huh? You only seen it once? Yeah. Oh. Not the, isn't that the one with the... Uh, the, the what, didn't they do a, a song with that? No. No? You're thinking of the one where he was a... Uh, oh, what the fuck? It was Will Ferrell. Yeah. And it was a chick that was with him in that one. Was it a chick? And they, yeah, they, like... it Wasn't he, like, a singer or something like that? Yeah, I thought he was... I thought it was Blades of Glory. No, it's not Blades of Glory. Gets the people going. <laughs> It's it's so good. <laughs> I had uh, Grace actually watch Anchorman the other day. Oh, she nice. said like she comes in, she, we're sitting there watching. Grace, my wife, by the way, if you guys didn't know, say hi to her anywhere. So we're watching it, and all of a sudden it ends, and she's laughing her ass off. She's like, "I've never seen that before." I was like, "You've never fucking seen Anchorman? Yeah. What is wrong with my family?" So Anchorman and uh, what is it? Uh, Ricky Bobby are like the only two Wolf Ferrell movies that I like. That's it. I like them all. Yeah. Truthfully, I do. I like them all. I absolutely love them all. Um, what's the one? Um, I mean, they're all great. Even the stupid, stupid ones are great. Like old school. Old school is amazing. Yeah, old school is not bad. You know, Frank the Tank. Frank the Tank. Yeah, I've seen old school. Um, what is the the the, the fiction one? What's it called? Stranger Than Fiction. Mm-mm. It's fantastic. Dude. Yeah. It's not really a comedy. It's like a drama, isn't it? But yeah, yeah. But it's like the, the the synopsis of it is amazing. It's basically a guy is walking around and. He starts like hearing things mm-hmm. like a narration because somebody is actually writing his life and that person is still alive with them. So it's like this thing inside of a thing. That's weird. Yeah, it's cool. It's super cool. If you get a chance, watch it. And it's not his typical movie either. I mean, he's still got some funny parts and shit in it. But yeah. 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 Anyway, God, what a derail. <laughs> I need that crash button in here again. I don't know where it went. 
So, of course, everyone here in Austin at this time were freaking the fuck out, right? Mm -hmm. All right. So, in the month since the last murders in December of 85, the city's police force had been tripled in size. Oh, jeez. So, there's Popo walking around everywhere. A curfew had been enacted, okay, and private citizens had organized into patrols to guard the neighborhoods after dark. Strangers were forced to identify themselves or be kicked the fuck out of the city. Good. I mean, seriously, this was like a no-bullshit thing. Saloons and other crazy downtown establishments, you know, the... the <clears throat> those types, usually open 24 hours a day, were forced to close at midnight, like we talked about earlier. That sucks. A new era of law and order had begun... Now, would there have been any advantage in revealing that perhaps the Midnight Assassin was dead? Maybe. And what if Elgin wasn't the murderer? Oh, that would suck. But then again, he was trying to beat up a woman. You know, it was in the authorities' best interest to wait and see if the murders continued. Right. Maybe the authorities believed they had gotten lucky and, you know, they couldn't arrest, prosecute, or convict Elgin. But perhaps the problem had been solved. Maybe it, this guy is gone now, right? Right. But in February of 1886, it was still too early to be sure. It is important to remember that the beginning of 1886, the Christmas Eve murders were not the last murders, Mm. simply the latest. And the investigations into the murders continued, notably with detectives still shadowing other suspects. Okay? So now, while the authorities were not able to make use of the evidence against Elgin and him and his nine toes, Mm -hmm. the defense attorneys for, um, oh, we talked about this earlier, James Phillips, um, because his wife was attacked, and Moses Hancock, his wife was attacked. Yep. They, you know, of course, were huge in this town right now. Right. Because everyone's like, you know, burn them, you know, at the stake. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm saying it sounds like it's the 1400s or some shit, but mm-hmm. no, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So Eula Phillips, the wife of James, and Susan Hancock, wife of Moses, had both been murdered. And we talked about this earlier. Mm-hmm. And uh, both husbands were subsequently charged initially with murdering their wives. So in May of 1886, during the trial of James, okay, defense attorneys introduced into evidence floorboards marked with bloody footprints that had been removed from the Phillips house after the murder. Oh. They were compared to the footprints of the de- the, de- uh, the defendant. But de- 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 Hi, I'm here. The defendant who removed his shoes and had had his feet inked and printed in an elaborate demonstration in the courtroom. Okay. Even though Phillips' footprints were substantially different in size mm-hmm. than the actual bloody footprints on the floorboards, the jury didn't believe it. They thought he was the guy still. <laughs> yeah. They want they wanted a... a uh, a bad guy. They yeah. wanted to put somebody away. That's it. Which would probably lead to a lynching back then. But you know what I mean? That's that's what they wanted to do. Right. So the motives of jealousy and drunkenness, as argued by the prosecution, convinced the jury, and they found Phillips guilty of second-degree murder. Oh. Yeah. So now when the case against Moses Hancock was finally brought to trial, the Han- um, Hancock received some, um, some help, legal help, in the form of a pro bono representation by John Hancock. <laughs> No relation there. A former U.S. congressman, one of the state's most prominent political figures, and one of Austin's most astute legal practitioners. Yes. Hmm. John Hancock ain't got shit on me. Mm, Cleve Hawkins. (laughs) Like to see his signature. That's right. Bottle of Jack in his ass. (laughs) So also providing assistance for the defense rather than the prosecution was Sheriff Malcolm Hornsby, who during his testimony described making a cast of Elgin's foot after his death. The significance of the missing toe, the similarities between Elgin's footprint and the footprints left at the Phillips and Ramey murders, and the fact that there had been no further servant girl murders committed since Elgin's death. Ha! Damn. Bitch! All right, all right. (laughs) Even so, the jury was not completely persuaded. Oh, my God. (laughs) 
And after two days of deliberation, a hung jury was declared and the case was discharged without a verdict. Hmm. Okay, so basically they're like, well, he gonna die, he can go. Oh. So the verdicts of the Phillips and Hancock trials illustrated the consensus on the servant girl murders and the motives behind them, that the murders had been committed by different people with conventional motives. Was Nathan Elgin the servant girl annihilator? Yeah. Okay. A lot of people believe that he was, um, because of the direct physical evidence linking him to the crimes, in uh, testimony of Sheriff Hornsby as to basically his guilt Mm -hmm. here, the fact that there were no further servant girl murders after his death, and Elgin actually fit the criminal profile of the killer. Okay. So now let's talk a little bit about Nathan Elgin here and the criminology behind it here. Mm -hmm. Okay. We're talking about the profile. So the servant girl murders were over 130 years ago, obviously. And, well, not 130, shit. Way longer than that now, right? Mm. Do math. Do it now. Do it. That's a lot of math. 1885. 1985. I can't do it either. It's like 140, 100 years. Yeah, 135. That's math. Welcome to the train. Yeah, something like that. So very, very few records actually survived by this, okay? Right. So, and of course, there is a little surviving biographical information about Nathan Elgin. However, the information that is available strongly correlates to traits associated with disorganized anger, retaliatory, retaliatory, which is D-A-R, which is a serial killer profile, Mm -hmm. okay? And the crime scenes of the servant girl murders correspond exactly to that of anger, retaliatory, ah, retaliatory crime scenes. Oh, okay. 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 So, we're going to go through these. Mm Mm-hmm. In the anger retaliatory rape murder, the rape is planned and the initial murder involves overkill. It is an anger venting act that expresses symbolic revenge on a female victim. We talked about this earlier. Right. Nettled by poor relationships with women, the aggressor distills his anguish and and contempt into explosive revenge on the victim. The aggressive killer will either direct his anger at the woman or redirect his anger to a substitute woman. Oh, okay. Okay, so if you're mad at, you know, girl A... Mm -hmm. You take it off on, or take it off, take it out on girl B. Gotcha. Okay, right. Gotcha. Because the latter type of scapegoating retaliation does not eliminate the direct source of hate, it's likely that it will be ep- ep- episodically repeated to relieve internal stresses. Yeah. Dynamically, the rape homicide is committed in a stylized, violent burst attack for purposes of retaliation, getting even, and revenge on women. Right? That's what we just talked about. Yeah. And this happens a lot. Yeah, a little bit. And you, you could tell, I mean... What do they say all the time? You know, history repeats itself. And just men, when men kill, it it's you can kind of tell the type of killing it is because of how it's like angry. Yeah, how bad it is. You know yeah. what I mean? How Jesus? How you know if it's if it's a horrible freaking crime scene or whatever like that? Yeah, there's there's deep seated shit there. Yeah, you know if it's like an accidental like, you know, I strangled her. Mm. I mean, that's not good either. No, but I'm saying that could be more of a crime of passion, right? As opposed to like, okay, this guy's off his rocker, you know? Yeah. yeah. So another one here, the perpetrator tends to choose victims from familiar areas and may use weapons of opportunity in per- uh, percussive assaults with fists, blunt objects, or a knife. Oh. And this is, again, going off this D slash AR serial pro- profile thing. Mm. Okay, serial killer. So the subject tends to leave a disorganized crime scene and the improvised murder weapon may be found within 15 feet of the body. Right. Okay. So this is, again, profile traits. The following traits are common to the D slash AR serial killer profile, and uh, some could argue that they are present in the historical record specifically in connection to Nathan Elgin. One, childhood abuse or neglect. Okay. Okay, had that. Mm -hmm. Two, 
early violent episodes. Okay. Had that. Mm -hmm. Three, violent fantasies. Mm -hmm. Checklist. Mm -hmm. Four, resentment of authority. Okay. Escalation. Okay. Okay. Remember that fucking word as we continue through here. Escalation. They had escalators back then? No. No. Oh. And stressors. Gotcha. Okay. So those are typically the things that are involved. Like, if all those line up, you know, you got a fucking a cornucopia a a in a fucking in line you know what i'm saying it's all fucking da, 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 like the dominoes are about to fall and someone's fucking going to be bludgeoned to death you know <laughs> yeah so additionally nathan elgin would have possessed the locational expertise created to successfully in in um enacting the murders and eluding the authorities okay culminating in a distinctive signature killing style the attack on sleeping female victims using blunt force to the head carrying the body away from the house into the yard where the victim was then raped. That is his MO. Yeah. That is his signature style, right? Mm-hmm. So now, I'm going down this fucking hole with this, man, and hopefully you guys are still here with oh, us. Oh, yeah. Because, and there's a reason for this. And you, you guys, will, there's a, I swear, stick with me. Come on, kid. Stick with me. Stick with the clay ball. We got this. So, Let's talk about childhood abuse suspicions here, okay? Okay. okay. All the murderers uh, were subjected to serious emotional abuse during their childhoods. So and they're, they're, they're talking about how they went through and uh, they made these criminal profiles. Right. Okay. They went through emotional abuse during their childhoods, and all of them developed into what uh, psychiatrists label as sexually dysfunctional adults. And remember that whole thing between nature and nurture. Right. Right. From birth to age six or seven, studies have shown the most important adult figure in a child's life is... The mother. Right. And it is in this time period that the children learn what love is. Relationships between our subjects and their mothers were uniformly cool, unloving, and neglectful. Mm. Okay, so if, if if he sees maybe his dad taking it out on mom, or be, this is why men, be nice to your fucking women, especially your baby mamas and shit like that. Even if they piss you off, just be cool. Mm-hmm. It's, been, it's for the kid, you know what I mean? It's for the children. For the children. And then next, the disorganized offender grows up in a household where the father's work is often unstable, where childhood di- uh, discipline is harsh, and where the family is subject to serious strain brought on by alcohol, mental illness, and that kind of stuff. Cool, yeah. Okay. So one of the primary components in the creation of the D-slash-A-R serial killer profile is a dysfunctional, abusive relationship within the family, and especially between the mother and the subject. <gasps> Got it. Yeah. All the- there. The mothers often have psychological disorders. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Just fucked up. Mm-hmm. All of this is making me feel really bad about myself. <laughs> Just saying, because I'm dinging a lot of these boxes over here, buddy. <laughs> it's like, bing, bing, bing. Oh, boy. Or they have been victims of emotional and sexual abuse themselves and are then subsequently abusive with their own children. Ding, ding, ding. See what I'm saying? Yeah. Anyway, at best, the mothers are emotionally distant, and at worst, they are physically and psychologically abusive. This is the mother. Mm. What does it say in the crow? Mother is the name of God on the lips of all children. Right. Right? Yes. Nathan Elgin was born in 1866, the fourth of five children in his family. The Elgin family had moved to Austin from Arkansas after the war to the Freedmen's community that came to be known as Wheatville. Freedmen's, you know what that is, right? It's freedman, you know. Right, you got that? Yeah. That's, when they, that's what they called it, the Freedmen's. So, gotcha. like, you know, when they allowed... When slaves were set free. Gotcha. We'll just put it that way. Okay. Okay. Horrible, horrible time in our life. Anyway, so Nathan had three older siblings that had already married. 
started their own families. And hold on, I have to say something real quick. Not them being free was not the horrible time in our life. I just want to make sure that I state that. The fact that they were enslaved to begin with. <laughs> the second I said it, I'm like, someone's going to take that the wrong yeah. way. And I'm like, no, that's not what I meant. I'm just making sure we're clarifying that. Holy shit. <laughs> I'm like started sweating a second. I was like, <laughs> he's got a little red. Yeah. I was like, oh shit. Yeah, I better say something. Oh shit. <laughs> so Nathan had three older siblings that had already married, starting their own families, and evidently lived normal lives. While Nathan was still a gro- uh, child growing up in Austin. Gotcha. However, the older sibling's mother, Angeline, had been a different woman in the na- uh, na- than Nathan's mother, Susan. Okay. okay. So different baby mamas. Right. Okay. Now there is no record of whatever happened to Angeline, but she presumably died or uh, separated from her husband, Richard Elgin, that's dad. But after she left, a woman named Susan Pierce appeared in her place to raise Nathan. Okay. Okay. Whether she was his biological mother, we're not so sure. Okay. So they're thinking that the, that this is a substitution in the maternal line is significant, and it some could speculate that Susan Pierce was an abusive catalyst in Nathan's emotional development. Uh, Stepmom came in. Yeah. Kind of thing. You know what I mean? Stepmom. Yeah. So the 1880 census listed 14-year-old Nathan Elgin as still living with his parents. It noted his ability to read and write and his occupation as servant. Okay. He was likely placed into service by his mother. For Nathan, being a domestic servant at the time period in t- at that time period in time would have entailed working in an environment with Victorian structures and discipline, submitting to the authority of women. Okay. Okay. Both black and white, carrying out whatever tasks were ordered without argument. Remember, he had his place. Yeah. And you better stay in your place or shit's going to happen. Mm. Okay. And if he's already got mommy issues. Right. Just saying, it's There's again, a, it's just, it's building. Yeah. The, the, we're building a bonfire right now. It's, and that was a pallet. Yeah. Uh, here's a couple of empty boxes. Okay. 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 All right. And we're not throwing any gasoline on yet. Oh. <laughs> we'll use Jack Daniels. Anyway. <laughs> so, uh, habitual abuse or humiliation of young Nathan could have been facilitated by such conditions, and it is easy to imagine ham, him having suffered abuse in such a position, considering the rage directed at this particular class of women. Only a few years later. Remember, that's who he was going after. Yeah. Now, any abuse experienced as a child without having the physical ability to stop it would, in the meantime, have fueled an inner world of revenge, fantasy, and anger waiting to be unleashed. Not until he was a teenager would he finally gain the physical ability to express the anger, except toward whomever was the source. The source or its memory. The humiliation and shame they had used to define him would retain the ability to make him feel helpless and impotent. Okay, and not, not figuratively. Gotcha, know. gotcha. Or, or at, it could be literal. I mean, to be honest, I think it could be a problem. Yeah. The result, once he had gained maturity, would be not just fantasies of rage, but their physical expression enacted again and again upon victims who were substitutes for its source. Yeah. In other words, I can't hurt that bitch, so I'm going to hurt that bitch. Yeah. Right? Mm. And my apologies for using the term bitch, but you know what I mean. Anyway. <clears throat> So now, early violent episodes, okay, like the resentment of authority, violent fantasies and stuff. So these adolescents in this, when they were designing this whole thing, these adolescents overcompensated for the aggression in their early lives by repeating the abuse in fantasy, but this time with themselves as the aggressors. Okay. And this guy here has actually been seen, well, was seen as an explosive personality who was impulsive, quick-tempered, and self-centered. Okay, Elgin here. Gotcha, okay. So now... 
In the summer of 1881, Nathan Elgin was arrested for carrying a pistol and getting into a confrontation with another young man near the governor's mansion. Quote, they cursed each other for some time and aroused the neighborhood. That's... <laughs> but were you aroused? Man, my dick was hard as shit. <laughs> I heard them cursing. I was like, boing, 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 boing. It's so funny. Aroused. <laughs> were you aroused? So such incidents were not particularly remarkable for the time period. The newspaper frequently reported similar skirmishes between young bloods, they call them, young people, young gotcha, folks. Gotcha, gotcha. However, it does demonstrate that Elgin already had a violent disposition at a very young age. Right. More remarkable was an incident in 1882 when Elgin sent a threatening letter, now this is just three years prior to the killings, oh. to a deputy sheriff promising to, quote, whip, destroy, and kill. Oh. So we could have called him WDK. WDK. Instead of buying torture code BTK. We could have just, didn't, never mind, I'll keep going. Yeah, I got you. So, and uh, he said he was going to whip, destroy, and kill the deputy uh, the next time they met. Mm-hmm. The written expression of violent threats and fantasies, especially toward the police or other authorities, is one of the classic serial killer tells. Nathan's letter was described, quote, reckless and bloodthirsty in the newspaper, a description that would later be more fittingly applied to the murders in 1885. Okay, so now, locational expertise, he's familiar with the freaking area, right? Right. And the killer would have to be familiar with the area, because he's breaking into places, lights are off and shit, he's still being able to see where he's going, he ain't got, he, I don't think he has a fucking flashlight. Yeah, probably not. Do they have flashlights in 1885? Well, I mean, if they don't have switches, I mean, how are they going to have flashlights? I don't, they may have had electricity in 1885. I don't know. I, I was mean, just making shit up. I mean, again, you can't trust half the shit I say. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> so anyway, so he knew these places, right? Right. Then there's escalation. Okay. And again, please keep this one in the back of your head. and you'll, It'll come to fruition here shortly, I promise. So the disorganized killer has no idea of or interest in the personalities of the victims. Doesn't give a shit. He does not want to know who they are and many times takes steps to obliterate their personalities by quickly knocking them unconscious or covering their faces or otherwise disfiguring them. Okay? Okay. So in other words, I don't need to know you. you you're not a human being to me. Okay? Yeah. You're literally taking that out of the equation. Right. The victim will often have horrendous wounds and the killer does not move the body or conceal it. And a lot of that happens too. So a lot of killers will cover up, um, especially the faces right. of their victims and those are ones that actually have a, like a sense of guilt afterwards. Right. Then you got the other ones that'll like pose them in shit. Yeah. And or and just leave them right there because it's almost like a fuck you. Right. You know. Right. And uh, the offender is usually somewhat younger than his victims. So in July of 1884, there were two instances of women, both African Americans, being stabbed in the face as they slept, but the women survived. The authorities investigated them as separate incidences. Incidents. Damn it. Incidences. In August of 1884, an African-American woman was struck in the head with a smoothing iron as she slept. Now, these nighttime attacks, though they weren't fatal, were just, they were different, you know? And as I say here, they were uh, so idiosyncratic in style that they uh, must have been a fledgling attempt by an anger retaliatory retaliatory killer who would later escalate Mm. with gruesome results. Gotcha. Escalation! Yes! (laughs) But just... Keep on to that. Okay. I'm okay. escalating. Yeah, just uh, just hold that word. Escalation. In, in your hand. Just put your hand up real quick. Okay. And say escalation into it. Escalation. Now just leave it there for a minute. Okay. Okay. Just hold it. It's looking at me, though. Are you guys holding it? What's it saying? Escalation. <laughs> <laughs> so in November of 1884, police reports mentioned a non-fatal nocturnal assault on a domestic servant as she slept in her bed. This incident never appeared in the newspapers. All of these nighttime 
things are happening before the murders even started and they didn't go hmm <laughs> this does this seems weird and then a little uh, over a month later an african-american woman named molly smith was struck in the head with an axe as she slept was drug out in the backyard and raped and we talked about that also too her body was hacked to pieces yeah yeah so again that killing right there that escalation mm-hmm. pretty much set the pattern for all the other murders after that right. remember that's why i was saying like they went in and while they were sleeping pulled them out and into the yard and raped and murdered them right, right. fucking crazy so location expertise and escalation and signature in the vance washington and hancock murder uh phillips murders okay this is the the two guys so um gracie vance and orange washington yep right so these different murders so the disorganized killer doesn't choose victims logically and so often takes a victim at high risk to himself, not one selected because he or she can be easily controlled. Okay. So it's a fucking just last minute decision. Okay. okay. Gotcha. The assault continues until the subject is emotionally satisfied. The murderer is satisfied when he feels that's why some of these just that's why you hear about people getting stabbed 85 times or being beaten with a, a stick 38 times or whatever the case may be. It's right. because they honestly have this emotional like um, satisfaction has to come from it. So they'll just sit there. And if you think about it, think about like I just heard one today where somebody was stabbed 42 times. If you take your hand right now mm-hmm. into your other hand, like play rock, paper, scissors right now. You guys okay. listening to right yeah, now. Yeah. And we're going to do this real fast. Okay? okay. Okay. Let's do it 40 times. Ready? Okay. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty. Okay, that's just twenty. That's a lot. Okay, we're not gonna go all the way to forty. That was like not even hard. That was and, just. And we're not doing hard. Yeah. We're, we're just sitting here, and we're not. You know what I mean? Yeah. You still have to pull your arm back. You got to go more. You're talking about just brutality. Yeah. You know, so it's it's not. That's why a lot again a lot of the emotionally charged. Um, um, like, you know, if someone's mad at their wife or whatever like that. That's mm-hmm. usually something quick and painless, like, oops, shot her. You know what I mean? Right. Not oops, and I'm not condoning <laughs> violence in any way, shape, or form. You know what I mean, though? Yeah. Okay. So uh, the killer's personal expression takes the form of his unique signature, an imprint left by him at the scene, an imprint the killer is psychologically compelled to leave to satisfy himself sexually. Okay. Uh, yeah. And for, uh, for the murders, the killer had become very adept and uh, perhaps overly confident, and by the time he entered the cabin of Gracie Vance, he was confident enough to attack four people at the same time. Okay? Yeah. Gracie Vance was a domestic servant employed by the William Dunham, uh, by William Dunham as she lived, along with Orange Washington, in the cabin in the rear of the property. Remember, we talked about that. Yep. When the killer entered Gracie's cabin, instead of finding a solitary woman sleeping, he found three women and a man. Right. He was completely undeterred by this, and he proceeded to incapacitate all four of them as quickly as possible. However, one of the women uh, was only briefly knocked out or whatever, and she went for help while the crime was still happening. Remember, they're not going to get there very quick, though. So the neighbors were awakened by the disturbance, and the police were called. Dunham and the neighbors went to investigate, and a man was seen fleeing the scene. They fired their pistols at him as he made his escape into the darkness. Okay, As with the other victims, Gracie Vance was found in the backyard... Her face had been pulverized with a rock, okay? And the subject had fled in the direction of Wheatville, just to the west, the neighborhood Nathan Elgin had actually grown up in. Okay. Okay. So all of this is why they believe uh, at ServantGirlAnnihilator.com or ServantGirlMurders.com, they think this is their guy. Okay. This is who they 
like inequivocally, they, they believe this guy is the guy. Okay. Okay. He's the guy, guy. He's the guy. Hey, guy. Hey, guy's got that. So the Christmas Eve murders were in many ways the skeleton key to all the murders in that they demonstrated all of the specific facets of the killer's MO and signature. His locational expertise, right? Mm -hmm. His ability to improvise and adjust at the scene as well as his emotional escalation, which demonstrated the extent to which he would go to enact a very specific sex murder scenario. An attack in the bedroom upon a sleeping victim, then rape and murder her in the backyard, even when the completion of that scenario was problematic because there were all their fucking people there. Right. You know what I mean? You've got to be fucking out of your gourd to do that. Yeah. So Susan Hancock, unlike the other victims, was white. Okay. Remember we said not until. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. But other than that, the murder was carried out identically to the previous murders. Now, could it have been a copycat? It's possible. Possible. Right? It is unlikely. But if it was a copycat, though, here's the problem with that. Remember, the police weren't giving out a lot of information. Right. So I doubt it was a copycat then. Yeah, it could have been a one-off. Unless either the police let something leak or maybe it was a police officer. That would make sense. These are all... This this is my mind all day, every day. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, seriously. So it it is unlikely that the, uh, the killer had the specific intent to select a white woman. Okay? Rather, something about the location, the house, and the fact that there was an axe in the backyard... Attuned to the killer's preferences, so he just saw this; it all clicked together, and he's like, "Okay, I'll just do it." Because remember, they're not really thought out; they're very irrational; they're not logical. Right. So, as with the other victims, Susan Hancock was struck in the head with an axe while she slept, and then carried into the backyard. Susan's husband was asleep in the other room, but was awakened by the disturbance. Remember, he's the one that went on trial. Right. He went into the backyard, saw a figure standing over his wife, and threw a brick at him. Smart. Even though the perpetrator was armed with an axe, he didn't retaliate against Hancock. Instead, he fled the scene by jumping over a fence into the alley. Hancock then ran to the ran to the east of the house to cut him off, but he wasn't there. Now, again, he has one direct subject. Right. Her. Yeah. Anything else that's that's either in the way of getting to her or they're coming, you know what I mean? Like they're coming after him or getting in the way of that, mm-hmm. you know, that's all it is. So instead of fleeing into the darkness, the perpetrator ran west back toward Congress Avenue, the city's main thoroughfare. This peculiar evasion demonstrated that the perpetrator was very confident about where he was going, that he expected he could hide in plain sight. Mm. Everybody knows me here. They know I'm not a killer. It is interesting to note that uh, had Hancock gone west to cut off the, you know, the perpetrator, he might have actually been able to stop him. Right. Which could have brought a definitive resolution to the murderous events of that year. However... Seeing the perpetrator had escaped, he went back to his wife and called for help. So heading toward Congress Avenue, the murderer here cut through the yard of the residence of May Tobin, where his sudden appearance out of the darkness startled a young woman and her male companion. In his haste, he could have literally run into the... uh, He could have ran into her. In other words, like he was running so fast he could have hit her. And then a confrontation occurs. The man threatens and insults him in demeaning and racist terms. Perhaps the woman does too. The perpetrator has to retreat again, and this would have been too much. The urge to kill had not been satisfied and would only intensify after a humiliating confrontation. It would only be intensified. Right. He follows the couple's cab across town, the residence of James Phillips. The cab arrives. The young woman, Eula Phillips, discreetly makes her way into the quiet house. Less than an hour later, she is found in the backyard, raped and murdered. Again, he didn't get it out with that other one because the guy stopped him. Right. You know? 
And then he gets insulted by these two people walking down the street or whatever, and he's like, fuck that. So he steps up his game. Escalation. Yikes. Now, the killer could have been uh, could have dispatched Mr. Hancock and completed the crime at the Hancock residence, but he did not. Likewise, he could have attempted to kill Eula and her companion in the relative seclusion of May Tobin's premises. Instead, the killer's primary motivation was the realization of a very specific, violent, sexual murder scenario. He knows what he wants to do. Right. It's his M.O. And, and if you look up almost any uh, of these like uh, really profound serial killers, they all have these kinds of things. And most of them have this escalation. Right. Like BTK started off and realized that he was fucking fucking shit up. And so he kept doing different things to to make it easier to, to get away with the stuff. Right. You know what I mean? And it's a lot of these people that um that do like rapes and stuff. And and unfortunately, they, at first they start off just doing the rapes or the beatings or whatever it is, and then they get caught. And then they go, Well, can't leave any witnesses anymore. Right. So instead of going, I probably shouldn't do this. They continue to do it, and then they escalate. Yeah, like what's his face, the the cannibal from Ohio. What the hell's his name? The cannibal from Ohio. Eight people and had a, a fetish. Dahmer? Yeah, Dahmer. Jeffrey Dahmer. Thank oh, yeah, you. Yeah. I knew it started with a J. But he started off like skinning cats, and then like worked his way up to yep trying to make zombies and shit. Yeah, he's a, an entirely different. Yeah, he's a little ball of wax. Yeah. Like that guy is so psychologically. I just I don't. He is the, uh, what do you call it? The anomaly. Yeah, he really is. If you ever sit down and like, like, uh, either read anything about him, and especially after he was caught, mm. or if you watch any documentaries and stuff, he was a fucking anomaly, dude. Yeah. He hated it. He hated what he did. He did not like it. He's like, I, I am a piece of shit. Something is wrong with me. Yeah, you know, as opposed to some of these other guys that are like, fuck yeah, I did it. You know, or right. me? No, it wasn't me. <laughs> Listen, we found five heads in your refrigerator. It was you. Nah. My neighbor must have put those in there. Assholes. So, um, they believe here on the servantgirlmurders.com, they believe a confrontation must have occurred, okay? Right. At the Tobin's residence between Eula Phillips, her her companion, John Dickinson, and a very volatile Nathan Elgin, who had just ran away because he was just literally in the middle of doing his thing. Right, right. The confrontation had to have made him angry enough to pursue her across town, like a chaser. Even though he had no idea where they were going or what he would find when he got there, they also believe he was so angry that he pursued her at his own peril. When other easier opportunities for a kill were closer in proximity, so he he had her in mind. She did something yeah. to piss him off, you know. So now the bloody footprints left at the Phillips house would subsequently be affirmatively compared to the footprints of Elgin. All right, so I know this is going. It's a, it's a lot. I get it. I get it. Just just follow me. Follow. Follow the yellow brick road and Clay Hawkins. All right. So let's talk about stressors. By the very nature of their childhood, serial killers are most likely to lead lives full of stressful events. Okay? They kind of create this shit themselves. Right. As children and adolescents, they lack self-esteem, are isolated and maladjusted, and they are therefore poorly prepared for coping with life as adults. Okay. Historically, the retaliatory... I hate that fucking word. Retaliatory? Retaliatory. Retaliatory. Yeah, they say it like you're a matador. Retaliatory! Historically, the retaliatory... I still fucked it up. Yeah. The retaliatory (laughs) killer's marriage will have been ill-fated, and he will usually be in some phase of estrangement, okay? Okay. If he has a relationship, there will have generally been a history of long-term spousal abuse, which will not likely have been covered by criminal complaints. Okay. 
So you see what we're saying here, what they're saying here? It's a very, very compelling argument. Yeah. I All mean, right. He did a lot. Everything kind of lines up. Yeah. All right. I'm more waiting for the why don't anybody else think this, though? Well, so in the study of serial sexual homicides, a stressor is defined as an event, interaction or conflict in which the killer is reminded of past humiliations and abusers. It stresses them out. Right. Something to fucking just switch right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to purge his feelings of shame inadequacy or powerlessness the killer will endeavor to enact a murderous scene in which he is powerful and in total control in the case of elgin here there is a remarkable example of a pre-crime stressor in the instance of his wife sally giving birth to a child the same night two women were being murdered on christmas eve okay it's a stressor yeah right now, they, do, they believe that this was more than a coincidence and whatever stressors Elgin was susceptible to were triggered by this event. While the birth of a child would not normally seem to be a cause for a murderous rampage, if you happen to fit the D-slash-AR profile, it's very, very possible. Yeah. You know? So he had married, Nathan here had married uh, Sally Wheat in 1882. She was a year older than him. They did not live together, which is odd, but... okay. It is not unusual for serial killers to be married. However, it is rare in the case of the D-slash-AR killer profile because of their volatile temperament towards women. Right. Sally could have held the power in the relationship, which could have been another thing in emasculation. Yeah. Conversely, she could have been sub- uh, subjected to abuse herself. Okay, so she could have. There is an indication that Sally was aware, at least subsequently, of Nathan's responsibility for the murders. As a means of disassociation, she raised Nathan's son under the name Davis rather than Elgin. Oh, kind of fucked up, but I mean, I get it. Yeah. You know, I mean, well, mm, I don't know. That's weird, right? Yeah, a I don't bit. know. That's weird. Like, did she know something or did she believe that maybe he was the guy or maybe she just didn't want the name connected to him, yeah, you know, man, afterwards? That's, it was a, that's, that's weird. Yeah, because remember, like, the baby was just born and then he died shortly after. So, right. Um, so, post mortem here. Let's talk about after he died here. So they said they read a great deal of theorizing about the series of murders in Austin that all the assassinations were the work of a cunning lunatic, a, monoma- a monomaniac on the subject of murder. And from what they can learn here, they don't believe anything of the kind, and it's their deliberate opinion that these murders can not only be unearthed, but when probed to the bottom, it will be found that they were committed by different individuals and that each case they were prompted by lust, jealousy, or hatred. Okay. Okay. So in other words... They're saying that they believe he is one of the people. Okay? Mm. It's it's just, it's it's absolutely insane, okay? So now, hypothetically, talking mm-hmm. about Elgin here, mm-hmm. if he had been arrested for a murder, unless he specifically admitted to it, um, they basically believe that the, the authorities would have connected him to all the murders. Right. Now, had he been arrested and interrogated, they think Elgin would have baffled the police because he's just, they don't know, but this guy is freaking, he is an anomaly. I know I used that word earlier, but whatever. But they wouldn't have spent much time contemplating him, you know, talking about him. Right. He would have undoubtedly been indicted, tried, and hung in short order. He was a black man. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yep. And you murdered not only a bunch of other black women, but you also mur- murdered a white woman. Even if you just admitted to one of them, that's what they're saying here. Yeah. Even one of them, you're he dead. still would have been dead. Yeah, yeah. you're dead. Yeah. So the newspaper account of him would have been a typically villainous caricature from that time period, and people today would still wonder if he was responsible. And that's if they would have caught him. Right. So before we go into the little thing that I want to talk about, what do you think about that? 
It's it's a compelling argument. Yeah, that is like damn near spot on. Like everything kind of lines up with it. I don't like I don't know. I don't, I feel like the multiple people could be a suggestive theory as well too because of the way that they were carried out. But they were all very similar though in the act. So maybe they knew each other. You know what I mean? Like the the acts themselves were but not the actual like what they used right so why now again though he it said that he found a place that had an axe outside is he just an opportunistic killer which kind of seems if, if if you used a rock one time a right. knife another and then an axe and then a, yeah you know what i mean like was he just opportunistic well because i know? mean leading up to that too all the ones that weren't killed but were just hit like with the the iron and stuff like that you know what I mean? right i think that was the beginning stages yeah that's what i think that's, i think that was the beginning stages and i think he he figured out what he wanted to do, and he probably, again, you escalate. These these guys, they find something that they're fucking, their brains, because this is mental illness 100%. Yeah. They find something that their brains are, you know, want them to do, and then they go and try it. And if it doesn't work, yeah, we'll say maybe they won't ever try it again. But I'm sure they're going to at least want to try it again. Yeah. And so they have to figure out a way to do it so it works better and they're more proficient. Right. And they get their emotional and physical satisfaction out of it. Okay. Right? Yeah. So that's 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 Elgin there. That's Nathan Elgin in this murder case. He's never been 100% like fully stated as the murderer. Right now, this is an unsolved story. That's why we're talking about it. Crazy. And I've never heard of this. Yeah. And I'm just fucking boggled. Yeah. Considering that this was literally America's first serial murderer. You would think there would be a lot more. Uh, right. Yeah. So it's insane. However, <laughs> I really hope you guys are still with me because uh, now we're going to talk about what I'm super excited about. So now let's talk about another suspect and a possible connection to Jack the fucking Ripper. Gun, gun, gun. Bam, I need that one instead of the other one. Yeah, that one I like would be that a one way better. better. Yeah, that's way better. So the next suspect here was Maurice. Oh. And unfortunately, no last name was given. That makes sense. A Malaysian cook oh. who worked at the Pearl House in downtown Austin. The Pearl House had connections to a majority of the victims of the Annihilator. Therefore, this theory this theory actually took off like a motherfucker. Okay? Okay. So, allegedly, once Maurice left Austin only three weeks after the last murder, bound for New Orleans, he was off to London. And then the murder stopped. Again, he was off to London. And although the killings by Jack the Ripper were arguably more brutal in nature, many believe the Austin and London killers were actually the same person. A murderer that began to escalate his killings. Something that has been studied and noted by psychologists and other people smarter than us here at the train. <laughs> Maurice apparently told acquaintances at the hotel that he was going to work aboard ships as a cook to earn his passage to London for a fresh start. And a little-known fact, the cook Maurice was actually suspected after the last murder, and he was put under surveillance. Okay? Okay. Now, check this out. Oh, shit. This is from uh, a Redditor. All right. Uh, his uh, name on there is Science. <laughs> That's pretty whatever. Yeah. And he says, so many people who follow the Ripper case seem to want him to be suave, elegant, uh, you know, a suave, elegant dude, a surgeon or a royal or a tormented upper-class freak of some kind. But the facts don't suggest that. People say whoever killed the girls must have been skilled with a blade. 
That may be true, but the brutality suggests they were cut up like animals, skinned and gutted almost, the way a butcher or a cook might do. Anyway, back to Austin in 1886, most experts on serial killers will tell you it's unlikely that the murders will just stop unless the murderer is dead, in prison, or has moved elsewhere. In fact, most will say that the serial killer's M.O. usually evolves, escalation, and changes, while the main motivation does not. Yeah. Look at Jack the Ripper's victims. This would explain the difference in the Ripper murders three years later, and also why they seem to have the same extremely brutal motivations. Jack the Ripper didn't use an axe the way the servant girl Annihilator did, right? Right. However, this may have been because an axe was not a common thing to carry around in 1888 London. Yeah. The largest city in the world at the time. In 1884, Austin, a town of only 10,000 people, and remember they got together 400 people. (laughs) That's like 2% of the population. Right. At the westernmost terminus of a railroad line, an axe was likely you know, less suspicious, like someone's going to have axes around. The scariest part, though, is what happened after 1888. Whoever he was, Mm -hmm. in quotes, he was obviously a highly driven, aggressive murderer, and he had already had success, probably, in leaving Austin and getting away with murder. Yeah. Well, consider this. After 1888, similar serial murders of women started happening in port towns, all along major trade routes like Nicaragua, Tunis, and Jamaica. If the servant girl Annihilator and Jack the Ripper were the same man given the highly aggressive style, brutality, and rapid succession of the murders, one quickly after the other, it's likely he killed far, far more girls than what we know about all over the world. Holy shit. So now, gonna play devil's advocate here. Did Maurice leave to avoid the authorities and escalate his murders and become Jack the Ripper and maybe way more? Or did he simply leave because his reputation was tarnished because he was under surveillance? You know, and, you know, it's very possible. Mm. So the Jack the Ripper murders were allegedly from April 3rd, 1888 to 1891. The Velisca Axe murders, which we've talked about, were on June 10th of 1912. The New Orleans axe murders were from May 8, 1918 to October 1919. Okay. Now, I spent countless hours looking up ship records from 1886, and there is one record of a Maurice that went to England from the U.S. The funny thing is, his name was Maurice Kelly. The Ripper's last known and documented victim, her name was Mary Jane Kelly. It's probably just a coincidence, but uh, what if it isn't? And now, boys and girls, it's your favorite part of the show, the movie review. Which top ten movies will make the cut today? So now we're on to the movies. I told you guys this was going to be a fun one. Make you scratch your head a little bit. My brain hurts. And again, yeah, I mean, your brain probably does hurt a little bit. I get it. And it's very, listen, a lot of this is just circumstantial stuff. I don't know, man. (laughs) (laughs) But there's some shit there that is very fucking crazy. It's very fucking weird. And we'll probably never know. There's a lot of speculation, too, when it comes to, like, 
you know, there's people like, yeah, my great grandfather was Jack the Ripper or my, you know, now there's a, a I guess a, a book out now or whatever, where a guy claims okay. his uh, uncle was the Zodiac. Or, Fucking, first of all, why would you be proud of that? Like, you know what I mean? Well, I think, well, first of all, it's a money grab. Yeah. Period. That's all it is. My husband saw aliens. Right. That, that it's, shit, it's, yeah. it's just a, it's a money grab. But secondly, I, I think that a lot of people want closure. Yeah. Especially in like, okay, so the Jack the Ripper incident or, or the series of murders is one of the most talked about true crime yeah. um, uh, stories ever, right? right? Yeah. Ever. I mean, I'm talking every every true crime podcast uh, author or whatever has at least talked about it, if right. not written about it, if not had a show about it, if not had a documentary series about it. You know what I mean? It's huge. Yeah. It's huge. Huge. However... Have you ever heard of this that I just talked about? No. Right. Mm-mm. And I want to know if you listeners have too. Yeah. And we'll talk about all that here in a second. We'll talk to Austin about When this. we do our final final thoughts here. But let's talk about the movies. These are top 10 movies based on real unsolved mysteries. Ooh. Yeah. That's a good one. I got to get that. Man. All right, so number 10 here. Oh, uh, we're actually on watchmojo.com oh, just okay. because, yeah, I was like, all right, cool. We'll check it out. Cool, cool, cool. So number 10, The Strangers from 2008. Oh, it's such a good movie. Oh, so you have seen this one? Yes, one and two. Oh, oh. So good. Is this the one that had, uh, well, I guess I'll talk about it here in a second, but is oh. this the one that had, uh, what's her face in it? Uh, the chick. Uh, eh, no, had... you're thinking of uh, You're Next. No, I'm thinking of Steven Tyler's daughter. Steven Tyler PJs. Steven Tyler PJs. Wait, what? Yeah. Um, what's her name? She was uh, you actually, She was the elf chick in uh, Lord of the Rings. Uh? Yeah, why can't I think of her fucking name? I don't know who the fuck you're talking about. Anyway, it says writer-director Brian Bertino was directly in... Hold on, I'm going to read this. Like our boy, Mr. Hawkins. Strangers, writer-director Brian Bertino was directly influenced by the Manson killings and the accompanying true crime book, Helter Skelter. However... Many critics and academics also noted strange similarities with a quadruple homicide that occurred in 1981. In April of that year, Glenna Sharp, two of her children, and a family friend were killed in Keddy, California. Remember the Keddy Cabin murders we talked about? Yeah. The historic event bears many similarities with the strangers, including the isolated setting, the breaking into a private residence, residence, and the vicious nature of the killings. The main suspects in the case are Martin Smart and his friend, John but they both died without being charged thanks to tragically bungled investigation and we talked about that and we actually yeah. did the cabin murders yeah, yeah. so that's where this movie actually and if I'm 100% they're not giving me the, the cast in these I got it's, you. yeah it's your job I got you, I got you. Yeah. Right. so I'm pretty sure that the strangers is what the f- ne- nev nev ne- nev 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 not nev <laughs> Nev Campbell? No. I not Nev. in Stranger Things. <laughs> stranger Things. Do you know what the, the stranger is when it comes to like sexual stuff? Y- yeah, that's when you sit on your left hand and then you yep. rub one out. Yeah, because yeah. it feels like a stranger's doing it. Right? Yep. I yeah. got that from Gone in 60 Seconds. Yeah. Oh, oh, really? Yeah. Oh. That's what he talks about. He's over there throwing the tennis ball against the wall and he's like, you know, sometimes I like to do the stranger. They got that from somewhere else. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Uh, Liv Tyler. Liv Tyler. That's her name. Liv Tyler. That is, uh, yeah, that's the our homie from uh, Steven Tyler. It's his daughter. Well, looking. And her picture makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, she didn't know that until, like, <laughs> just, like, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. Anyway, number nine, amazing movie, and another episode that we've talked about here, The Mothman Prophecies. Oh, I've never seen the movie. Oh, my God. Really? 
Oh, by the way, when we get done with this, at the end of this episode, uh, or not episode, the end of this segment here, yeah. I want you to tell everyone what you thought about the movies that made you watch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the Mothman is one of the most enduring legends in modern American folklore. Between November 1966 and December of 1967, the West Virginia city of Point Pleasant was inundated with sightings of the Mothman, famously described as a large man-bird hybrid. You guys know we've talked about this. So this movie was um, um, uh, Richard Gere. It was a great movie, and basically he's going... His wife passes away with some really weird. How she died was really fucked up, and so that he was going on a um, to. Um, he's, he's a journalist, and he was driving somewhere, and all of a sudden he's in Point Pleasant, huh? And all this shit starts happening, and his car wouldn't start, and all this shit. You got to watch. It's a great movie. I definitely have seen that one. It's probably one of my top. I'm gonna say top ten of all time. Oh wow! Yeah, must be a good movie. Yeah, it's banging. Huh. Number eight is Mesmerized from 1986. Uh, this is starring Jodie Foster and John Lithgow. Mesmerize is loosely based on the mystery of the uh, Pimlico poisoning. Named after the London district in which it occurred, this event concerns the bizarre death of Edwin Bartlett. Bartlett had been found dead with chloroform in his stomach. However, no one can figure out how it got there, as his throat and larynx were free of burns. Bartlett's wife, Adelaide, was arrested and charged with the death. However, a significant lack of evidence resulted in her acquittal. No one knew how the chloroform got into Edwin's stomach with some arguing that Edwin gulped it down quickly to end his own life. Adelaide Bartlett later disappeared from pub, uh, public record, taking uh, any potential answers with her. Hmm. i never heard of that story before. No. But it's called Mesmerized from 19, 1986. Huh. Um, the Town That Dreaded Sundown mm-hmm. from oh. 1976. It's a great year, by the way, just saying. So now this one... The people of Texarkana were not enjoying ice cream and sunsets during the summer of 1946. Instead, they were locking themselves inside their homes and watching the police patrol their neighborhoods. It was the town that dreaded sundown, and that's because the Phantom Killer, we talked about him, mm-hmm. or whomever that may be, was on the loose. So yeah, that's what this movie is actually based off of. I've actually seen this movie. Yeah? Wait, a 1976 movie? Yeah. Really? Was it on VHS? No, it was on Netflix at one point. It was like one of the streaming services at one point. Betamax? Skinamax? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> La- Laserdisc? <laughs> My buddy Dave had a... Uh, Dave, Cabbage yeah. Patch. He had a, a Laserdisc player. Of course he did. Yeah, I, yeah, I know, right? It was the biggest, dumbest thing I've ever seen. And now, looking back, it's the dumbest thing in the world. It looked like a gold record that weighed three or four times heavier than that. And it was just a big DVD. Yeah. I mean, it was huge. It's silly. Number six is Willow Creek. Like the Mothman prophecies, Willow Creek wants you to believe in a mythological creature. Perhaps the most legendary object of modern American folklore, Bigfoot, has generated endless discussion throughout the years. So this movie is based, 2013, based on, yeah. Moody. Um, it's based on the uh, the, the 60s uh, Patterson-Gimlin film. Oh, Okay which purports to show Bigfoot sauntering around the woods of Northern California. Yeah. There you go. That's what that one is. Number five, The Entity from 1982. Mm. A cult favorite, The Entity is about a single mother named Carla Moran who is sexually assaulted, yikes, and terrorized by a poltergeist. I'm sorry, what? She got fucked by a ghost. I'm sorry, what? Didn't that happen in a haunted house? You ever seen that movie? Uh, the haunted house, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. With the uh, the clown, <laughs> he comes up. And he's like, "No, come here." <laughs> so Moran is directly based on Doris Bither, a woman who reportedly experienced paranormal events in the mid nineteen seventies. Bither contact uh, contact contacted. I'm just going to start messing syllables up and see if you guys can follow the me. Syllables, yeah. 
She uh, uh, contacted parapsychologist Barry Taft and relayed that she had been assaulted and stalked by a malicious entity. Taft didn't believe the assault claims, but nevertheless agreed to investigate Bither's house. He and assistant Gary Gaynor, Carrie Gaynor, I'm sorry, reportedly experienced significant poltergeist activity, and Taft labeled it an uh, official haunting. Others, obviously, are more skeptical, arguing that Taft was a poor investigator <laughs> who misinterpreted harmless events as a paranormal uh, as paranormal evidence. I just, could you, uh, no, I'm not even going to ask. I was going to say, could you imagine getting raped by a ghost? I mean, rape in any way is not good, okay? But even if you, like... No means no, ghost. Even if you, like, wanted it, you know? Back up, Casper. Like, you know. But Does it work both ways, though? I- explain. Like, you can't rape a ghost. Or can you? That's a good question. Anyway, <laughs> number four... Amazing, and this is going to be an upcoming episode uh, here probably within the next, I'd say, month or two, uh, The Black Dahlia from 2006. Oh. Directed by Brian De Palma and starring an A-list cast, The Black Dahlia is based on James Elroy's semi-fictional novel of the same name. The story is based on the famous case of The Black Dahlia, real name Elizabeth Short. The Dahlia was infam- infamously infamously killed in 1947. Is he, he's infamous. Yes, it means he's more than famous. He's infamous. I hope you guys got that. Anyway, and her death remains one of the most tantalizing unsolved mysteries in modern history because it was all out in L.A. in Tinseltown when it happened, and she was up and coming, and all of a sudden, somebody literally butchered her. Oh. Butchered her. I mean, that poor, poor lady. That They, yeah. So we'll, we'll talk about that one of these days because there's a lot of shit involved in that. There's some, like, higher-ups that may have been suspects. Yeah. Interesting. And Black Dahlia Murder, that band. That's where they got their name, obviously. Of course. Number three, From Hell. Uh-huh. The very name of Jack the Ripper is synonymous with unsolved crimes. Back in 1888, an unknown person terrorized the sea. You guys know what he did. Anyway, this is John, uh, Johnny Depp, where he's basically the detective or whatever. It's looking. Good. It's a good movie. I've for, seen that. It's great. It's absolutely it's great. Movie. Uh, looking for Jack the Ripper, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, because he was addicted to absinthe mm-hmm. and stuff like that. It's a yeah. great movie. It's really good. It's really good. So get it. Yeah, watch that one. You uh, you see, he talks to Maurice in that movie. <laughs> Maurice, that's gonna be his name for now on. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna get a. That's a new shirt. Ha ha. I'm gonna get like a picture of uh, like a silhouette of of Jack the Ripper, and then it's just gonna say they call him Maurice. Don't touch the feet, Maurice. <laughs> <laughs> Don't. T- <laughs> No, Maurice. <laughs> That's even better. Oh, so Maurice. <laughs> just have the just a little Jack the Ripper and have a picture he's, of Maurice. He's pretty crazy. Yeah, that's that would. Make... That's actually we'll talk about. Oh it. God. <laughs> Number two, The Irishman from 2019. This is actually awesome. Oh yeah. This was basically about um you know Jimmy Hoffa and the yeah. um the unions and stuff like that. Yep. It's based off a great great movie. Um. So if you guys haven't had a chance, it's a Martin Scorsese movie. It's great. Yeah. It's, seriously, it's awesome. And number one, ah, this movie was a letdown for me, man. 2007 Zodiac. Mm, that's about yeah. the Zodiac killer, right? Uh, no, <laughs> no. It's about astrological signs. Oh, yeah. Sounds like a really good movie. Yeah. Very straightforward. Oh, it is about the Zodiac killer. Yes. And uh, we'll uh, we'll eventually talk about Zodiac down the line somewhere. Well, what's your sign? Way down. Me? Yeah. I'm a Leo. So we just talked about it. We're done. Okay. <laughs> I mean the killer. So anyway, this is obviously about that, about the case, and it's still unsolved, and it was really screwed up because the guy was sending all kinds of like weird messages and yeah. shit like that. And if I'm not mistaken, because it doesn't tell me who the fuck is in the damn movie, I think it's, mm, uh, is it uh, Gyllenhaal? Is I think he's in it. 
You think, really? Robert Downey Jr. was in it. I don't know if Gyllenhaal was or not. And um, the guy that plays... Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, but, 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 Hulk, uh, right? Mark Ruffalo? Yeah, Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just thought it was like, I don't know, man. It just, it didn't do it for me. It just didn't do it for me. Didn't just... Didn't do it for me. Yeah? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> anyway, so those are your movies for this week. So now, Logan, I did post something uh, recently that uh, I had you watch two movies, and I said, am I a great father or am I the world's worst father? Yeah. I mean, you obviously are almost 30, so <laughs> I guess this. Aww. Yeah. So um, tell everyone what, what movies I made you watch and, and what you thought of them. All right, so we watched seven and then eight millimeter. And I chuckle at eight millimeter because I did not know what I got myself into with watching eight millimeter. Seven. Fucked up, right? It's fucked up. Eight millimeters fucked up. Yeah. Seven was uh, an amazing movie. 100%. And there's more to come for sure. I've got, yeah. I've got, seriously, I, we should just take a week off of doing anything and just watch movies for I'm a week. I'm so fucking down with that. Yeah. It'd be amazing. Lots of pizza and whiskey. Oh, boy. <sighs> so that's how I die, folks. Anyway, <laughs> that's. You heard it here, folks. Yep, that is how I die. So, anyway, that is this week's episode, and uh, that is the Servant Girl Annihilator and a possible connection to fucking Jack the Ripper. It's not possible. It's Maurice. It's Maurice. Don't touch the feet, Maurice. <laughs> don't kill the girls, Maurice. <laughs> don't, don't do. That's it. It's Maurice with a top hat and a freaking cloak. And it just says, don't kill the girls, Maurice. <laughs> that is the shirt coming soon. That'll be at the midnighttrainpodcast.com. Anyway, no, so that's it. I want to know what you guys think. Um, obviously, a lot of speculation, a lot of a lot of information, a lot of, uh, you know, crazy shit. I thought it was super cool. And please do yourself a favor and go over to servantgirlmurders.com and check that website out because it's literally... Like they have an entire section. That's what I, I read off uh, about Nathan Elgin, right? Because they're one hundred percent committed that he is the killer. I mean, and to be honest, I'm not saying he's not at all. There's not a whole lot of evidence that says it wasn't him, right? However, the geek in me and the true crime nerd really wants it to be Maurice. Yeah, because I want Maurice to be Jack the Ripper, hundred percent, and I want him to just be this like pr- the like most prolific killer killer ever. There was actually a uh, a a um, theory going around that H. H. Holmes was uh, Jack the Ripper. Oh, you know, I think I actually you, heard. Did you just squint your eyes at me like you don't know who H. H. No, Holmes is? I was like okay. I'm pondering. Like I, I swear I've heard that before too. Mm. 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 <laughs> anyway, so. I don't know. I, I think it's amazing. I want to know what you guys think. Uh, regardless, if you say it's all bullshit, that's fine. Unfortunately, a, a lot of people did it lose their lives. Yeah. And um, it happened before. And that's probably what happened as well, too, is that the, the town, again, probably tried to, try to, you know, put it underneath the, uh, the, the the carpet there because no one's going to move to this new town that's... if they know that everybody, in, like, there's a murderer loose. Right. Or, you know what I mean? Yeah. So they probably just squashed it. You know what I mean? I'm just saying. What? What if it... Oh. Uh-oh. Wait. So... Wait for what? What if... And hear me out. This Maurice guy, maybe it wasn't him. Maybe it was his friend in London. Because think about it. You were being persecuted for potentially being involved in this serial murders. Mm-hmm. Go to London, make an acquaintance. What brings you to London? Well, you know, just being persecuted for a bunch of murders. Guy wants to know more about the information. 
guy really digs into it. Who, who? Okay, hold on. Go even further with that. Who is he going to see in London? Right. Why is he Maybe going? there's multiple killers. Maybe Jack the Ripper, it was multiple killers. Right. Maybe, Maybe that's why they happened so quickly. Maybe it was a cult. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know we've never done a cult. We should actually do an episode on a cult. Oh, they all suck. We should just find a cult. Perfect. I had the best one. What? I'm not saying it out loud. Don't do which one. <laughs> I was going to say Christianity, but anyways. Oh, oh <laughs> yikes. Um, I, I, I just, I, uh, let's just shy away from Jonestown. That's the only one I, I, I don't want to do. Yeah. And the only reason I don't is because it's been beaten to death, and no pun intended in any way. It's a, uh, seriously, it's a horrible, horrible story. And yeah. again, horrible. I do that horrible, horrible all the time. I am finding a new, fi- anyway, we're, this is going on way too long. Anyway, <laughs> I will find that. Anyway, I want to know what you guys think of this. Have you heard of this story before? Austinites, anyone down there? Austin from Austin. Let us know when you're going to change your name. And then let us know what you think of this. And this is, is this. do they talk about this down there? Does anyone from Texas even know about this? I know we have a bunch of Texas listeners. I've never heard of it. I And I have friends in Austin, so yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. Well, I'm sure it's not something they walk around like, like you said on their <laughs> home of America's first serial killer. Come on in. Yeah. <laughs> No, anyway, I want to know what you guys think. Um, do you think it was um, Nathan Elgin? Mm. Do you think it was Boris? Or do you think none of them? Or do you think it could have been both of them? And somebody else? Yeah. Like, mm. I, I mean, oh, God. See, again, I can actually smell the smoke barreling out of my ears right now. Yes. I can smell it. It's just, it's my brain frying. Is that what I'm smelling? Yes, I it's my brain. Just... No, no, I didn't. No, does my brain smell like farts? Is that maybe, what you're saying? Maybe. Oh. That's sad. (laughs) Anyway, get on over to the midnighttrainpodcast.com where you can tell us what you think about today's episode. And while you're there, you can buy some super sweet sweet. merchandise, you know, from the uh, the Richard Kuklinski chill shirt to the Duke of Fingerbum shirt and uh, Don't Be a DeSalvo shirt and the coming soon shirt, the Maurice shirt. Yes. It's going to be amazing. There's also hats, uh, cases, uh, phone cases, and so much more. If there's something that you guys want, let me know. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's mugs over there. And want a shag carpet? Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's just Midnight Train on it. <laughs> a bunch of blood splatters. Oh, my God. I kind of I want that. <laughs> I kind of want to do the Midnight Train, but one of those like wet rugs where you get out of the shower and you step on it and you mm. see your footprint, but it's blood. That'd be super cool. But Yeah, but it... Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be super cool. Oh, and remember, anything you guys buy over there, twenty percent of that, um, in which we don't make hardly anything off that because I don't like ripping anybody off. But twenty yeah. percent um, of that's going to go to, um, you know, our our charity that we like to deal with and that we're dealing with. And also, while you're there, click on sponsors and get yourself some freaking Doctor Squatch soap because I just got my new Star Wars one the mm. other day, <laughs> and I'm not opening it. Good. Yeah, I'm not. Just like this one, I'm going to keep it. Smart. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a collector. You're a collector? Yes. Oh. I'm a collector. Are you General Grievous now? Eh? Hello there. I don't. General Kenobi. <laughs> you're well, a Star Wars fan. Well, but you sometimes don't. your nerd goes way <laughs> higher than mine does. He's the collector of the lightsabers. Your lightsaber will add a fine collection. Oh, is he to do with, like, all the arms? Yeah, General Grievous. Uh, why, what the hell do I know about that? Oh, God, you're so old. Yep. Anyway, get yourself some Dr. Squatch soap over there because it's um, amazing. It smells great, and um, you can just be awesome for doing that. Yeah. So get on over there. Get 20% off your first subscription. Just click on the MidnightTrainPodcast.com sponsors button. There you go. And get the uh, the best damn soap because it is awesome. 
And again, if you like what you've heard from us, do us a favor. Consider being a producer of the show by heading over to the Midnight Train Podcast.com. Again, I know I beat that damn horse over and over again. But, um, you know, it's important. And you get all kinds of cool stuff. Yeah. If you sign up for our Patreon, for as little as five bucks a month, you can get cool stuff like custom shirts, custom posters, custom stickers, a plethora of bonus episodes, which we're going to be recording right after this and dropping this week for our poopers. And it's fucked up is all I'm saying. Oh, God. Yeah fucked up anyway <laughs> if that doesn't entice you i don't know what will <laughs> bing bong boom so anyway please do us a favor get on over there sign up if you can if you can't no big deal keep listening to the show and just tell your friends tell everybody about it let them know that uh, you found a new second favorite podcast and that'll be us oh of course right always because of course word of mouth is how we're going to keep this trizane moving yeah yeah and uh listen um don't forget to follow us on uh twitter on instagram tiktok youtube um, Spotify, get over there and rate us on Spotify because they do that. Rate us on uh, Apple Podcasts, please. Oh, by the way, I don't know who mentioned, and hopefully you're still hanging on with us. We are now finally, I don't know why it took so long, we're on Pandora. Yeah. I have no idea how that slipped through the crack uh, cracks for three years. Yeah. Yeah. I have no idea what happened with that. Weird. Somebody mentioned something about it, and I'm like, I got to go figure this out. So I went and looked, and yeah, we weren't on there. Huh. Yeah, it's weird. So we are now on Pandora. So tell your friends that are Pandora fans or listeners and, and do that. And I give will. us rates and reviews and do all that good stuff because you're awesome. And Halloween's coming up. Oh. And uh, I've been getting a, a lot more mm. ghost stories. Good. And give I, us more. I thank you for that, everybody. In fact, I think maybe I should start mentioning it in the beginning of the show. <laughs> I think that would be smart because apparently not a lot of people hang around to the end. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be awesome. The Halloween episode is going to be freaking rad, and and uh, we we've really we, it's going to be cool. You guys it's... are you're going you're gonna to love it. You're going to love it, especially poopers. Poopers going to love it even more. But <laughs> so anyway, we love you guys. Thank you so much for everything. Hopefully, this wasn't too crazy of an episode. Probably not. I feel like it's up there. I don't know if it's top. What do you think our craziest, like, weirdest episode was? D- describe weirdest, like the most. The Black Plague. The Black Plague was pretty like holy information overload. Yeah. No, the fucking one with the most information overload. I thought was like the Hollowed Earth, man. The yeah. Antikythera mechanism. Did I have yeah. parts in there? Yeah, and and Antikythermithermism. I don't know, but yeah. the weirdest episode. Definitely the Christmas special. <laughs> which we should do another one of. yeah we, we should totally should do. yeah we should do another christmas episode so listen <laughs> thank you guys so much um you give me a reason to smile and to get in here with my son and do something that we both love to do yeah. and uh you know i mean the, the research and everything else we, we truly love doing it it is a lot of work and so for you poopers who happen to give us your hard-earned money and show us your appreciation listen we can't thank you guys enough i mean seriously hold on it's too loud Hey! <laughs> oh man, every time it blows my ears up. <laughs> so thank you to our very special, fearless executive producer, Patreon poopers, Tomislav Sobota, Amanda Denz, Chris Lucas, Zachary Danielson, Joseph Aramo, uh, Margaret Dempsey, Kelly Ryan, Nathan Diekman, Stacey Laconin, Nicholas Cooper, Caitlin McKinney, Caitlin McKinney, damn, I fucked her name up, Trent Scott, Spencer Dunlap, Jacob Cook, Maggie Brothers, Miles Campbell, Brian Gunsman, Colleen Cox, Pumpkin Escobar, Mac Doherty, Ter- uh, Turner Cox, Sydney Sayer, Gina Madison, Janet Sherrill, Chad Flint, Chris McLeod, Justin Kowalczyk, uh, Rob Webb from the Funbox Podcast, Christina Skelton, and Jessica Bartolome from the Sisters Skelton Podcast. 
Maria Gibbs, Chainsaw. What the fuck? Jigsaw, Rick Resler, Courtney Bachelor, Katie Brabinick, and Bill Birch, who, by the way, said thanks for talking about his balls last week. Oh, yeah. Are they still, uh, <laughs> they still a little itchy there, bud? <laughs> ah, I saw him yesterday. He was like, yeah, thanks, man. And I was like, ah, that was Logan. Logan <laughs> that, did that one. <laughs> that was all me, Bill. And that is to show my appreciation for taking me to go see Evanescence. Yes. You talk about his balls? Talk about his balls. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so thank you guys again. Uh, if you want your name to be mentioned on the show and for us to be forever grateful, become a Patreon producer. Links will be in the show notes. Stay safe out there, passengers. And as Maurice would say... Choo-choo, motherfucker. <laughs> now go home and get your fucking shine box. That wasn't Maurice.